Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks show hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, and brought to you by Hoopheads as always. Today I'm joined by Jake Brown of the Downtown Browntown podcast. What's up, Jake? Not too much, Devin. Um, I'm doing good. I'm excited to, to join Nuck If You Buck. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, uh, Jake, you are actually our first uh, Milwaukee Bucks uh, podcast host, other than myself, to ever be on the show. So groundbreaking stuff here for Nuck If You Buck. Uh, Downtown Browntown, another Milwaukee Bucks podcast, but it's part of the uh, Blue Wire Hustle. And Jake covers everything from game re- recaps, roster updates, and uh, and more. So make sure to check all that out. Um, Jake, if you have anything else to plug there, by all means, now we're at the end of the show. And, uh, of course, what I always ask my guests as well, uh, what's your uh, Bucks fan origin story? Yeah, definitely. Um, so my podcast can be found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you follow me on Twitter at downtown underscore brown, all lowercase letters uh, for that Twitter handle, you'll see my uh, the link to my Linktree account, which will show my Spotify and Apple podcast feed. So uh, you can find the pod there. And uh, in terms of my Bucks fan origin story, it definitely for me, uh, the Michael Red era is what sticks out the most when I truly like knew what was going on. Um, you know, I'm 27, so I, I was definitely watching like the 2001 Eastern Conference Finals with, with Ray, Big Dog, and Cassell, but I didn't know what was going on. I was <laughs> just too young to comprehend it. But yeah, I mean, definitely Michael Red era, like 2003 or so. I was a big Desmond Mason fan as well when he came onto the Bucks in 2003. So towards the end of like the purple jerseys era and then going to like the, the Christmas color jerseys in 06 is like totally when I was like all in Bucks fan. Nice. Yeah, I've uh, I've covered my own on the show before, so I'll keep it pretty brief, but I just turned 25, so a couple years behind you, and what really sticks out to me was, um, like, when I got serious was around Brandon Jennings era, of course, throwing a little Monte Ellis, and then around the rest of the league were the Kobe LeBron debates, too, uh, at the time. Uh, I happen to be a LeBron fan, but also rest in peace to Kobe. Um, From, but, like, of course, we're both from uh, southeastern Wisconsin, so um, like you do remember the 2001 run. I don't really, honestly, have a ton of uh, memories from that era. My really, my biggest memory was just having like a Ray Allen jersey that like was my favorite shirt as a kid. Like oh, <laughs> the <yeah>. first T-shirt <laughs> I can remember owning is it's kind of funny, but that's a good one. Brandon Jennings, though, top three all-time favorite buck for me. It's not even a a debate. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, he's just incredibly electric, I would say, is probably the the one uh, word I can pick out right now. And with, like, his hoop mixtapes, I remember, I think, like, Devil in a New Dress, whatever, like, a Kanye song that I thought was, like, really cool as a kid, like, being in the backdrop of him at, like, Oak Hill as one of the top recruits in the country like i don't know it's just uh it's just taken me back there but 
I also have a pretty vivid memory of just before that era too, going to the Bradley Center with with friends and I think I remember we like painted our chests and everything and tried mm-hmm. to get on the jumbotron. Uh and like Carlos Del Thrino is a dude that's like that's coming to mind from that uh, same Bucks time. Legend but, right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I don't think we were successful. I think we were too far up in the nosebleeds to <laughs> to get on the jumbotron that day. Um Although we actually do have I'd say a pretty significant amount of stuff to cover here um so the rest of the all-stars were just named uh outside of any possible injury replacements but uh chris middleton is now a three-time all-star drew holiday was excluded from the mix uh that was pretty surprising for a lot of bucks fans but maybe there will be an injury replacement However, the field's pretty deep in the East this year. Uh, quickly joining Chris are uh, uh, Jimmy Butler, Darius Garland, James Harden, Zach Levine, Jason Tatum, and Fred Van Vliet. And then out West, we have Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, and Carl Anthony Towns. One quick correction from my last show. I think I think last show I said that Luca was starting instead of Ja, but that isn't the case. Ja Morant's starting in the West. Um, but yeah, Jake, do you have any like takeaways from the All Star games? I guess particularly with like Chris versus Drew. Um, how do you how do you feel about that selection there? Um, I'm not too frustrated about it. Like I get how people think Drew's more deserving, but for me, I think it's more just a positional thing. Like Chris is a a forward, obviously, and they still do have the format of like two guards, three forwards, and then two wild cards. So Chris was Mm -hmm. kind of falling into that third forward spot, which I think he was deserving of that, you know, right around 20 points per game. Um, still playing good basketball. Sure, he's inconsistent at times, but, I mean, look what he did in the finals last year. I think that had a lot of value for him to get in to that third forward spot this season. So I'm not mad about Chris getting in. I do think Drew could have gotten in. Like, he's having a really good year. Career high percentage from three, uh, 39.6%, 50% from the field. He's, He's playing really good basketball, but... I mean, Fred Van Vliet is having a great year, and, and I think Garland is totally deserving too. So it's tough, you know, with just 12 guys getting in, it's tough to get, uh, you know, three or, or two bucks even in there. So I think maybe Drew could slide into that injury replacements for KD, depending on, uh, like, if it has to be a forward or not. I don't know how they're going to do that, because obviously KD is a starting forward. Um, so... But, yeah, I'm not too mad about the selections. I think they're pretty fair, but uh, just glad to see another buck in there to join Giannis this year. Yeah, I totally agree. And thanks for bringing up the forward spot again because I remember being pretty clear on one of my recent episodes that I didn't remember exactly how they determined, yeah. uh, like, like all the bench um, like selections like as far as guards and forwards so uh if bucks fans are losing any sleep about chris versus drew i think that can uh 
put it to rest there and yeah with garland i don't know i'm pretty okay with it he was super impressive whenever we've played the Cavs, and like he's just like more exciting than jared allen in my mind even though jared allen's deserving as well i was listening to hollinger and duncan this week one of my myriad of nba pods that i listened to and i think it was nate who was just like not excited at all about giving jared allen a spot like quoting him he was like unless you're giving like rudy gobert level defense he'd just rather not give the nod but i mean i'm also not going to be upset if allen gets a replacement i agree there i think garland is is more deserving than allen yeah and um i mean garland just has to do like so much for that offense in my mind like they have they have mobley and allen who are like linchpins and i mean that's they've I guess uh, how would how would I how would I try and attribute credit to this? Like they're obviously an elite level defense that people didn't quite see, but you know they also probably wouldn't be nearly as high in the standings if they didn't have like an amazing table setter like Garland to keep them afloat on that end either. I mean I <laughs> I, I don't have the stats ahead of me, so maybe I'll be eating crow if I look up after this and they have like a bottom five offense, but I feel like that would have come to light earlier and yeah I'm, I'm choosing to give most of the offensive credit singularly to Darius Garland but they've had a lot of impressive pieces uh yeah Fred Van Vliet I've he's very deserving also for the first time all-star nod he's doing it on both ends of the court which is uh really nice to reward would have been part of Drew's case for sure but he's doing um uh, even more on offense than he has in the past. So shout out Fred Van Vliet as well. Uh, currently for injury replacements that I have on my radar, uh, I I don't know if it's up in the air at all, but Kevin Durant, I think it's at least 50-50 that he'll miss the All-Star game, let's say. Draymond Green already confirmed, and... Another person who crossed my mind was LeBron, but he actually was back last night against the Knicks. So LeBron will be in the All-Star game as of now. So I'm guessing one extra replacement from each conference. If I'm looking at the West, uh, I've kind of liked the takes about DeJounte Murray and, of course, the East. There are still a lot of guys to choose from. Um... I don't know, Jake, am I missing anyone uh, that could also miss this game as of now that's on your radar? Yeah, um, from an East perspective, again, this is uh, contingent on like if there has to be a front court guy or if not, if it's just anyone. If it's front court, I think Miles Bridges has a nice case to get in. Uh, 20 points per game, 7 boards. You know, he's having a career year, 49% from the field on a Charlotte team that's you know, exciting. You know, he'd be just a really fun all-star player as well. Not that that merits yeah. anything to get in, but uh, we know him as a high-flying dunker who can really make some exciting plays. But he's having a really good season on a ninth-place team in the East. You know, I think he's definitely deserving if it's a front-court player. If it's not, I would go with Drew 
uh, out of just, you know, a little bit biased there. I don't think three bucks get in, though, to be honest. So I think the, the nod would go to LaMelo Ball there um, just for mm-hmm. everything about being LaMelo Ball in general, just the high-profile player that he is. I mean, still having a really, really good season, just a hair under 20 points per game, seven boards, seven assists. He's a great player. Um, I, I think he's deserving as well. From a West perspective, I think DeJounte is probably number two for me. I- I'm going to go with a, a non-sexy pick, and that- that's Anthony Davis. Um, sure, he's only played 33 games, but still putting up 23.7 points per game, 10 boards, one steal, two blocks. 53% from the field. I mean, he's played really well since he came back from injury, too. So I think there would be some recency bias in there. And uh, just given the fact that he's, you know, a quote-unquote top 75 player of all time, uh, I think that he would probably get the nod there. But that's kind of what I'm thinking for injury replacements. Yeah, uh, part of the reason I was kicking myself a moment, a moment ago when you brought up the, you know, positional uh again losing my words here but the fact that the positions were helping chris middleton become an all-star of course that was huge in the west too with andrew wiggins being a starter absolutely uh yeah i mean definitely not i mean wouldn't have been a lot of people's first choice i for one like i feel like this wasn't nearly as surprising though as people were making it out to be not that like I don't know it's shocking but he was very high up in the rankings like the entire year so I wasn't completely taken aback but you know it's you can't bring up guys like Chris Paul and Booker and Luca and like the argument there against Wiggins because clearly those guys are all guards um yeah, I think it was either him or Gobert that people were thinking would be the starter. I was surprised that Wiggins was a starter. I think he had a case to be an, an all-star this year. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of pe- people in the NBA media had Gobert, and I thought that was fine. I thought that was going to happen. But it certainly caught me for a little surprise that Wiggins got the starting nod. But I'm not mad that he's an all-star. It's a cool story for uh, for Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, I definitely would have had either Gobert or Draymond in there ahead of him. But, Agreed. Uh, you know, I mean, no no need to, I don't know, uh, cast any more, like, negativity and jokes on it after the fact, like we already saw plenty of. Uh, but, yeah, of course, with Wiggins as well, we have a lot of guys missing time. You said Anthony Davis, but there's also uh, Paul George, Kawhi. There's definitely more that I'm forgetting. I feel like it's a longer list. Paul George that, would sure. certainly have probably yeah. been an all-star if he didn't get hurt. He was having a really good season up until the injury. Yeah, and not a not a forward in this case, but Damian Lillard, um, another guy that just didn't really have a shot due to availability and have being in a slump for uh, pretty much all of the year. So, you know, if, if there's a year where we're considering... Um, you know, games played less than others, like in Anthony Davis's case, and also let's not forget like all of the all the COVID absences too. Right. Uh, probably a good year just to, you know, give it to give it to a big name who we know will show out in the All Star game. Uh, but yeah, perhaps that's plenty of All Star 
talk for now. I'll definitely check in if we have, uh, you know, any all-star replacements, especially if Drew Holiday happens to get the nod. But uh, also, the trade deadline is right around the corner. Uh, shoot, I forget the exact day here. Do you happen to know the exact day of the trade deadline? Yeah, it's February 10th, this coming Thursday, 2 p.m. Uh, Central Time is when the, the deadline is. Okay. Um, wow. Also, uh, breaking news here. Uh, per Woj, Cleveland is acquiring Karis LeVert in a trade, which was something that wow. had been rumored for quite some time. Uh, there, there's another name that I'll get to later on based on who we played. Uh, so, wow, hell of a timing there from Woj. Yeah, that's uh, that's a nice pickup for them. I'm curious to see what the, the trade package looks like. Possibly Rubio or... Uh, first round pick. I, I heard that was uh, that was getting rumored as, as a package for Levert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would make sense to me. Yeah, a lot of people thought Cleveland was primed for this um, because of how shocking of a season that they've had, but also Rubio being a big loss. Uh, and yeah, they're able to sell high on some guys. So I'll keep tabs on my phone here <laughs> for updates. But uh, as far as the Bucks go, um, clearly Brooke Lopez's uh, availability is uh, in question to say the least. So I know Bucks fans are very focused on if we can get uh, another big, as our front court was already pretty uh, thin before the Brooke injury. Um, I think that's clearly. The number one objective, however, we're also limited because as most championship level, level rosters go, we've used up a lot of our assets and we like a lot of our guys. So uh, from Buck's Twitter, the assets that I've seen thrown out there in trades are what you'd expect, kind of uh, the end of our rotation plus like Dante as our sweetest uh, kind of value play that we have uh given the Grayson Allen extension but other guys uh Dante as well as Jordan Nawara, Ronnie Hood, Semi Ojale and uh I just put down second rounders as well cuz we don't have many firsts to put out there um so keeping in mind if we're if we don't want to make trades for any big guys if we're combining Everyone that I had recently mentioned, uh, the Bucks couldn't bring in uh, much more than $12 million in salary back due to a tax-paying team. Uh, we can't take in any more than 125% plus $100,000 of those guys combined, around $9 million. So that's how I get to the $12 million. And also, since those guys don't have the best value that we're putting out there, I put together some unsexy names that uh, are more realistic in my mind. Uh, those being Trey Lyles, Daniel Tice, Mike Muscala, Mo Bamba, Robin Lopez, Cody Zeller, Marvin Bagley, Tristan Thompson, and Alex Lynn. Please every, everyone remember 
this is ideally our like third big man. But um, Jake, did you have any other names in mind at all or any other direction you thought to take the trade deadline? Sure. Um, to start, my favorite one on the list is Mo Bamba. Uh, I think that he'd be a nice fit on this team. He's having a career year, 10 points per game, eight boards, two blocks, 47% from the field, 35% from three, which is a career high. I just think that he is a player who can definitely ascend, and he's only 23 years old, and the Bucks like to target those guys that are kind of around the same age as Giannis, um, that fit his timeline a little more, like we saw with Bobby Portis last year, um, which definitely makes sense. You know, you want guys around similar ages that can grow with Giannis and just develop with him as a player. So I think Mo Bamba would be great. I don't think we're going to be able to acquire him, though. I just don't see our best trade package, which in my eyes is Dante, Wara, and two second-round picks. I think that's the best thing that we can give any team. I just don't think that's going to be enough, but I would love to have him on the roster. A couple other guys that you didn't mention that I'm interested in, one is Nick Batum on the LA Clippers. Uh, Again, not a sexy name at all, but I think he's a really nice player who would fit in well with this Bucks team. Uh, the, the two needs that I see the most for the Bucks right now, obviously a big, but it's all, it's all a, a hindering on when Brooke Lopez will return. If he returns, I don't think a big is as much of a need as a versatile like wing defender, kind of like a P.J. Tucker last year, but maybe not to his level. Just another you know, three or four who can guard multiple positions and and hit an open three. So a la a three and D kind of a player. Any team can use another one of those guys. And I think Nick Batum certainly falls into that spectrum. Nine points per game, 49% from the field, 41% from three on five attempts per game. So that's definitely enough to uh, to warrant that shooting percentage as being really respectable. Um, I think he's a great great player who would fit well uh you could get him for wara and or shemi or rodney hood probably throw a second round pick in there uh that trade is is would be validated in the trade machine i I did some fake trades before (laughs) just to make sure these were all legit so uh and he's only making three million dollars this year and next year so i think nick batum's a great option i don't know if he's going to be gettable anymore now given that uh, the Clippers are kind of going, not all in, but they're definitely going for it now with the recent trade, which we will discuss later. Um, But I think he's a nice fit for this team. I'll throw a couple more out there. Kenrich Williams on the OKC Thunder, uh, another 3 and D type guy, 7 points per game, uh, 45% from the field, 37% from 3. He's 27 years old. Again, he fits that Giannis timeline. And he's only making $2 million this year and next. So I think he's a nice player who OKC is willing to part with. Um, But I'm not quite sure we have enough to get him either. Again, that would be uh, a fun little trade, I think, with them would be Dante and Wara and two second-round picks for Kenrich Williams and Mike Muscala. That trade would go in and be uh, accepted or it is accepted in the trade machine. Um, that would give us some nice versatility with a big and Muscala and uh, a nice 3 and D player in Kenrich Williams. But 
I'm just not quite sure that gets it done either. Um, two more guys is like a dart throw. Serge Ibaka on the Clippers I think would be great. Again, not sure if he's going to be able to be acquired now with the recent uh, trade with the Clippers, but I think he would be great on the Bucks. And uh, Jalen Smith is one more I'll throw out there in the Phoenix Suns. Uh, they've been rumored to be interested in trading him. Uh, but I just don't see the Suns trading the Bucks anyone this year, just given that we beat them in the finals last year. Even though we did trade them Tory Craig last year, I just don't see it happening. But yeah, those are a couple names that I think are pretty intriguing. And uh, my expectations, though, is it's a small trade at most for this trade deadline. I just don't think the Bucks are going to shoot for the moon here just due to the limited assets and, and all that stuff. Yeah, I love all that, Jake. Um, especially like the closing part, I feel like it's a responsibility uh, of ours as a uh, Bucks podcasters to, I don't know, just keep people, uh, you know, at bay when considering trades. I also like the piece um, with the Suns about, um, you know, this definitely isn't always the case, but uh, when you're in the upper echelons of the NBA. A lot of times the teams uh, don't like to make trades that, uh, you know, if they don't go their way, might actually help their opposition more than themselves. Uh, Jalen Smith, another good guy, especially him and Ibaka I'm kicking myself for not thinking of because those are the kind of stretch bigs that, uh, you know, that could fill in for Brooke Lopez. But perhaps... Um, another viewpoint of it, I think Frank Madden in particular was like the first uh, Bucks fan that was perhaps brave enough to say it, but um, I don't know, obviously not having Brooke Lopez could um, could potentially make or break um, if we're able to repeat or not. That's already a tall task to begin with, but Brooke was obviously exceedingly important to our NBA championship. Uh, so I don't know, not to be so like doom and gloom, but I I, mean, I completely if, agree. If you, if you see other ways, yeah, if you can see other ways to improve your lineup outside of getting too focused on Brooke Lopez, maybe that's smart because, you know, maybe, maybe if you don't get Brooke, our chances are already dwindled yeah i don't think we win the title without brooke lopez i i'm pretty confident in that it's just it's just going to be a tough uphill battle we've seen so many ups and downs this year and i just don't think we have the 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 roster to get it done without him he's just so valuable so yeah like you said just getting some sort of player who could get into the playoff rotation whether that's a big or a wing or even a guard I think any sort of player that could potentially fit the playoff rotation would be a a huge get at the trade deadline yeah and touching on the wings that you brought up as well with Batum and Kenrich I think those are good ones um you know we've seen a lot of of like Pat at the four which you know maybe I mean he definitely jumps out of the gym and rebounds uh, pretty good for his size, and he's a strong guy, but uh, either of those two are at least a bit bigger bodies uh, to throw in there. Uh, Jordan Wara also leaves a lot to be 
uh, desired on the defensive end. So even though he's he's a little bigger compared to our other wings, uh, if you want to consider him nominally a four in those lineups, that's also not pretty. So yeah, getting wings like either of those two uh, would be exceptional because you also wouldn't have to question as much. Uh, you know, as opposed to acquiring a big, you'd kind of know that those guys at least have a better chance to remain uh, in a shorter playoff rotation. Um, so yeah, I feel like we got a good collection of some names, and you know, at this point, it's a bit of wait and see. I have a little more details on that uh, Karis Levert trade. I was trying to silence my phone, but uh, I'm kind of a novice with technology despite being 25 so the cavaliers sent out ricky rubio a let's see lottery protected first round pick in the upcoming draft so that's definitely going to go and then two second round uh picks as well that sounds close yeah so the they have two 22 second round picks that they're sending out um the Cavs, and that's all for Karis Levert. It's a nice get for so, them. He's he could fit in well with Garland as a, a scoring guard. Uh, I I like that trade a lot for Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give a little bit. Um, you know, I don't want to say like I don't want to say insurance because, of course, if they lost Garland, that would be uh, you know incredibly disappointing. But at least take a little weight off of Garland's shoulders if uh, if you know he happens to regress even slightly Karis Levert uh, can kind of step in in a major hole that was left by Rubio who is also having an exceptional season Uh, I'll quickly cover another trade since we're talking about trades here Um, so let me think I think this this happened Friday where the Clippers traded former Milwaukee Buck Eric Bledsoe uh, Justice Winslow Keon Johnson and a second rounder to Portland for Norman Powell and Robert Covington. Uh, Very one-sided, in my opinion. I've seen a lot of people saying the same. Uh, Yeah, even Howard Beck was on uh, the No Trade Clause podcast, and he was kind of saying, even with talking to a bunch of people, uh, not a ton of... Yeah, not a ton of explanations from Portland's side, uh, besides ducking the tax, potentially, which, you know, is nothing, it's not really all that, uh, you know, that's definitely important if uh, Portland's starting to get a little more realistic about, at least this year, and that, you know, it's probably not a team worth paying the tax for, but uh, Damian Lillard probably isn't too happy either, unless, uh, you know, Maybe uh, something else, some other major move happens here. But a lot of wait and see again with that. Uh, as well as, continue to jump around here, but the uh, increased talks about the Sixers uh, trying to acquire uh, Harden for Ben Simmons. Uh, Steve Nash just came out today and said that they're not trading Harden, which checks out. Uh, I know when like big news like this comes out on Twitter, my first reaction is kind of just to, you know, not take it too seriously at first because there's a ton of huge reactions whenever you throw some big names in the bunch. But uh, 
Also, it's hard to get get into the head of James Harden. If the rumors do end up to be true, it could just take him saying he wants out for something to happen. But yeah, that one. Uh, yeah, that that's an interesting <coughs> one. Um, Excuse me. I hope it doesn't happen. You know, obviously Philly improves with that trade, barring who else they would have to include in the package to acquire Harden. I would assume uh, the Nets would want more, like a Tyrese Maxey, Seth Curry kind of player. Um, but even so, I think Philly improves with that trade. Um, and the Nets, I, I'm not sure about them with that one. I mean, I think Simmons is a good fit on that team, but. They're just a mess right now, and, and Harden is playing in every game. Obviously, he's injured right now. He's missed a few, but like he's not like Kyrie Irving, who's only playing road games. So that would be a loss for them, even though he's having a, a down year. But I, I just hope that one doesn't happen because I just think it improves the the 76ers and uh, could make things more interesting for the Bucks. So uh, I, I'm going to be scrolling on Twitter a lot these next few days to see what's happening. It's definitely the trade deadline is like that day is probably the best day in Twitter of the whole year. It's, it's great. Oh yeah. And even I'm just pulled up my calendar too. And that happens to be uh, a day where I'm not working from home. So I'm, I'm upset about that because otherwise I would be uh, on Twitter nonstop, but maybe I should stop while I'm ahead. But hey. Yeah, the Simmons trade has been kind of scaring, kind of in the back of our minds for a while, because you could see it making sense to a degree for both teams, uh, with you know defense being a clear hole with the Nets, and then uh, Sixers obviously uh, asking for a bit more, bit more offense in exchange for Simmons. But yeah, I also I laughed at a report that. That well, the Sixers wouldn't want to include Tyrese Maxey in the deal, which is quite laughable when you're getting James Harden back, right. even though he's regressed a bit. But uh, yeah, so just like theoretically, the like proper fits there can get yourself, you know, talking yourself into it happening, despite them having the same aspirations in the same conference, but. Uh, yeah, more to come. There's one other uh, one other trade that, or not trade, but a rumor that I wanted to uh, talk to you about. Uh, there's a rumor of Dennis Schroeder being available, and apparently today on Twitter, NBA Central was saying that there's two offers on the table for Schroeder, one from Milwaukee and one from Chicago. I, I'm I want to hear your thoughts on that one because I'm not a big Schroeder fan. Uh, I just think he puts up a lot of empty stats, and I don't think he's a great fit on the Bucks. He's not a very efficient scorer. We saw what he did on the Lakers last year, and uh, he's not getting as many minutes with the Celtics, and uh, oddly enough, they've been winning more since they made that transition. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Personally, I would rather have George Hill. I think he's just a better fit on this team, even though he's not as sexy, but he's I'd have to check the stats again, but about a week or so ago, he was top three in net rating in the whole NBA. So when he plays for the Bucks, we win those minutes significantly. So what are your thoughts on, on Schroeder possibly joining Milwaukee? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think uh, 
I think George is probably better for us. I think he's he's a point guard that makes his teammates better for him, and I question that with Schroeder, who's more of a flashy, big numbers guy. And, you know, especially with the him coming from the Boston Celtics, who have been starving for uh, a bit more playmaking for a couple years now, like if he... You know, you, you would you would think that he'd have all the opportunity in the world to kind of recover, uh, you know, a bit of his value. Of course, he had that extraordinary offer from the Lakers in the past, but um, that turned into a small deal. So, I mean, we could we could maybe get him for not a ton from the Celtics. Like his value is probably pretty low, but. I don't know. It's kind of weird that I'm almost working that into a case for getting. I'm glad I'm not crazy. I I, I think there's a lot of up and down here. A lot of fans are like, yeah, let's get him. He can score. Like, sure, he can score. But I just don't think that translates to winning a lot of the time for Schroeder. So I'm glad you're, you're with me and that I'm not just crazy saying I'd rather have George Hill. No, definitely not crazy. Um, You know, of course, with like, you know, just flashier players, like bigger names, like I'm sure any random uh, Instagram or Twitter profile uh, would might call you crazy. But that's usually what I try to steer clear from anyhow. <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, until I maybe get another Woj update, I guess we can cover uh, a little bit of the of the basketball action from the past week um it's funny i'm just gonna peel back the curtain a little bit and i had i did have a bullet here for like like is it possible that we want to relitigate grace and allen but maybe not maybe we've kind of talked that to death i haven't i don't know if i've listened to it on your on your pod yet but i remember after i recorded last week i was talking to my roommate and i ended up Kind of waxing poetic on him for a bit about it all, but I mean, I'm not I'm not entirely one sided on the whole bit either. Yeah, we don't um, we don't have to get into that one. I, I don't think yeah. I have anything particularly new or or out of the ordinary to add to to the Grayson Allen suspension. I'm fine with it. It is what it is. That's where I'm at. Yeah, it it was one game. We're well past it, so. Uh, yeah, I'll get into the basketball. So the Bucks, since we last recorded, the Bucks won the past two games against the Wizards and then last night against the Trailblazers by a significant margin. Um, so I actually attended the game on Tuesday. This is the second time all year where my my buddy got sweet tickets from no his aunt. So yeah, we had quite a ball that night and... Um, I've said this on the pod before, so I'm not afraid. Um, John Horst was actually in the suite next wow. to us as well, so I got to, yeah, I got to kind of be a, be a bit of a fly on the wall. I don't know the right term That's for it, awesome. but <laughs> at least I, at least I was a little less shell shocked this time. But I was trying to talk myself and my friends to the idea that, like, hey, one of the guys in there kind of looks a lot like Sam <laughs> Presti, so. It, you know, you can maybe call that half reporting on my end in advance if we do get a Kenrich Williams or a Mascala back. But uh, 
nothing else uh, too crazy to report. Um, Bucks had uh, Drew, Grayson, Chris, Giannis, and Bobby starting. Uh, Wizards were actually without Bradley Beal. He was. It was announced before the game that he was scheduled to miss at least the next two games with a sprained left left wrist, which sounds like it could be more than two games yeah, to me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so instead of him, uh, Drew's youngest brother, Aaron Holiday, started next to Spencer Dinwiddie, along with uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Kyle Kuzma, and Thomas Bryant. Uh, George Hill, our, our guy, unfortunately missed. Um Wizards game, and I don't remember him playing last night either against Correct. the Blazers. He was at least scheduled to be out with neck soreness again. Uh, but, you know, whenever I see soreness, it uh, makes me believe as someone who's not a doctor that he could be coming back sooner rather than later. So um, have you seen an injury report for tonight's game at all? I Just haven't. Um, I've been I've been looking here. I, I'm always curious with these back-to-backs. You never know. Uh, if guys uh, are going to yeah, rest on the Bucks, But given the fact that we uh, trounced the Trailblazers last night and, you know, Giannis only played 25 minutes, Chris 24, Drew 27, I think there's a good chance that our starting unit will be intact tonight. Um, and I didn't notice any guys getting injured in the game. I know Giannis, like, was holding his looked like somewhere in his side abdomen area earlier on in the game. He took a hit from someone, but, Mm -hmm. I mean, he dominated and didn't show any signs of that. That's just who Giannis is. So I think my expectation would be that the the crew will be playing tonight, and uh, hopefully that's the case because uh, with that recent trade with the Clippers, it looks like Covington and Norman Powell are expected to play in the game. So uh, the Clippers are certainly getting a boost tonight. Yeah, shoot. And uh, yeah, Bledsoe also didn't play last night against the Blazers. So, you know, with them, I won't say like cleaning house, but, a, you know, a lesser version of that at the moment. Also counting injuries like that helped our case. I thought Justice Winslow actually didn't yeah. look bad. He showed off his size and athleticism. I uh, agree. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was huge for us. I I meant to look up before the game uh, when the last time was that we won by um, so much because you know a lot of our uh, I don't know if I should go as far as to say slump, but you know fans have just noticed that we kind of weren't kicking ass as much as as uh, we should maybe expect from a championship team against some of these squads. So I'm glad we were able to pull it out last night and yeah, give our guys uh, some fresher legs than expected yeah it looks like the last 20 plus Uh, point win was against the pelicans on new year's day um and then uh we had a 18 point win against orlando so yeah not many big wins for the bucks as of late so yeah that was nice to see a a big uh, win there yeah and also looking even further ahead um so this upcoming week, uh, on Tuesday, we play the Lakers, which I don't know if we have to re-index how uh, fearful we need to be playing them, but they do have their big three as of now, so nothing to scoff at. Uh, and then the Suns Thursday, I know I'm tentatively going to a Sixers game that's coming nice. up, 
There's a Nets game. So schedule might not get any easier. Either, not at all. So, Very tough games um, coming up here. <laughs> yeah, but against the Wizards, um, we had a comfortable lead throughout most of it, from what I recall. But then the Wizards outscored the Bucks by 20 uh, for uh, a stretch for as long as pretty much the third period. It was from the 11 minute mark in the third to the 8.30 mark in the fourth is when the Wizards were uh, clawing back into this one. They even took a brief lead, uh, but then Giannis closed it out late with the rest of the Bucks. Um, perhaps he and everyone else was fired up when Montrez Harrell was actually called for a flagrant one uh, after uh, hitting... Uh, Giannis in the arm as he had uh, gone into the air and then our guy Bobby also got in Trez's face as well just showing him that that we're not gonna that we're not gonna stand quiet when you when you knock down our MVP yeah, that's what Bobby like does that, but yeah <laughs> oh man I was also because again I was at this game and it was you know it's late in the game so I've gotten some free tall sure. boys from the from the bar as well, so it was just awesome to to be able to to hop into a Bobby chant. The game I had gone to before was the actually the Kings game when the you know the last Packers uh, playoff game was happening. So it was a much quieter qu- quieter crowd, and I had uh, really regretted not uh, kicking off a Bobby chant at some point. I'd like to see that at least once a game. Yeah, I those think, are electric. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, we we definitely owe the, owe the guy uh, in perpetuity for the discount that he's taken for this year. But you know, hopefully that is to come, and there's some sort of a under the table handshake deal. But uh, you know, that's a lot to sort of you know ponder. Uh, some other notes on this game: uh, there were a couple disappointing performances on both sides. Uh, one from Chris Middleton, who only had 13 points. And then Spencer Dinwiddie only had seven. Uh, Dinwiddie was a guy who was in trade talks. I'd alluded to him before as um, what if he's kind of one of these uh, mid-tier guards that that the Cavaliers could target. But um, yeah, a story came out that maybe the Wizards weren't too excited about Spencer Dinwiddie and the words even thrown in there were that they thought he was a shell of his former self. So, you know, perhaps we're playing a lot of telephone here and <laughs> with uh, some of these words, like who knows uh, exactly where that came from. But uh, I guess we saw a bit of it <laughs> uh, that I'll night. just say I wish uh, the, the Cavs would have acquired Dinwiddie over Levert. I, I, I am not a big Dinwiddie guy. I just—he's not had a good year. That team is a mess, and the the other guys on the Wizards don't like him. So, uh, what what a disaster they've turned into after a ten and three start to the year, which is pretty pretty unreal for them. Yeah, so it sounds like his uh, trade value is pretty dang low Absolutely. right now. Lowest it's been for uh, for some seasons, I would guess. It's with Karis Levert too, though. I had heard on um, a lot of my like national podcasts, like guys kind of really slandering Levert. So I wasn't sure 
how excited other teams would be about him, but I think, you know, behind on some of my podcasts, like, I think one of the next nights after I had heard a bunch of Levert slander, he had dropped, like, a ton of points for a mediocre Yeah, he had, like, team, 43, but, I think, you know, that's what that, that night. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. yeah, with Levert, he's, yeah. he's a, like, he's one of those kind of a shrewder players who's just... He, he's a microwave scorer, you know, 18.7 points per game, but very inefficient, you know, 32% from three, 44.7% from the field in general. That's not great, you know. I mean, sure, he's putting up nice stats, but I just don't think that he's anything to, like, just be super, super excited about, like, from an efficiency perspective. And I don't think his defense is spectacular as well. I think he's a nice fit for the Cavs, but like you said, I don't think he's like just a top-notch player that people are, are just trying to acquire. Yeah, that's a really good uh, connection there with Schroeder. Because uh, I know Schroeder has been, like especially with his time in the Thunder, he had a, he was like fairly high, highly regarded for a while. Uh, so yeah, hopefully it doesn't quite uh, fall all the way down to where uh, Schroeder was. Schroeder is now with uh, with Dinwiddie, but uh, you know, hope, hopefully that isn't that isn't any of the Bucks' concerns, and we don't acquire yeah, right. anyone like that. Uh, yeah, but yeah, just some other closing notes from this one. <coughs> the Bucks won the point in the paint battle by a significant amount, fifty six to thirty eight. Um, also, fast break points. Uh, Bucks led that fourteen to two. Giannis had a thirty-three point triple double, uh, thirty-three, fifteen, and eleven with two blocks, uh, fourteen to twenty-one uh, from the field and five of five from the line. Drew Holiday also had a twenty-two point night with uh, five rebounds, two assists, two steals, nine of sixteen from the field, four of five from the line. And uh, Kyle Kuzma was the uh, big scorer for the Wizards with uh, 25 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 blocks, 9 of 19 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, 4 of 6 from the line. Uh, <laughs> I remember I was uh, I was bugging my friend at the game as he was, he, um, you know, God bless him, but he was, uh, he was praising Kyle Kuzma's <laughs> performance and just like... Um, Noting the fact that he had a double double, of course, twenty five points is is all well and dandy, but I don't know. I just don't like when people mention a double double to me. Like that's at this point, it's too like normalized for me. It's not impressive at all. But uh, you know, I digress. On I that one point. other uh, note on the game that I-, I thought was interesting, and it's more of a recent trend. Uh, Wesley Matthews is regressing to the mean in a negative way in terms of his shooting. 0 for 4 from 3 in that game. Uh, Last night against the Trailblazers, he was 0 for 2 from 3. And uh, I do a weekly, uh, well, my podcast is weekly, but I do a little segment called Who's Up and Who's Down. I just say a couple guys who have been up the past week and a couple who have been down. And I had Wesley Matthews in the down because his shooting splits are really falling as of late um which is concerning just because he looked fantastic when we acquired him hitting a lot of shots and playing some really nice d on kevin durant in that nets game and uh just in other games as well so i'm getting a little concerned about wesley matthews here just regressing to the mean uh in terms of his shooting 
Yeah, I, I actually d- did really like that segment on your show that I had just listened to, but yeah, that's that's too bad. I hadn't quite noticed that myself with Wes, but the numbers don't lie. Um, you know, I mean, perhaps we were we got a little of he- ahead of ourselves with the found money with Wes, but hopefully he gets hopefully he gets back into it, and yeah, maybe that does necessitate even further a move for. For a more versatile guy like you had mentioned before, like Kenrich or uh, or Batum, and yeah, those guys are also less likely. To totally, bring Mick Batum. Let's uh, go. Is there, yeah, is there? <laughs> yeah, is there anyone else that you could think of that really stands out in those categories? Not to steal your uh, content. No, sure. <laughs> uh, I had Chris Middleton in the down as well. Um, you know, he's just mm-hmm. he struggled from an efficiency perspective as of late. Um, I'm not concerned about it at all, but, um, you know, we see Chris Middleton from time to time struggle to, to, to score at an efficient rate. And obviously that Denver game was a mess. I'm not going to take too much from that. Uh, I was at that game. That was, that was not fun to say the least, but, uh, yeah, he, I mean, he and pretty much every other buck had a bad game there. Uh, he was fine against the Knicks. I think 20 points in that one on okay shooting splits, but yeah, Chris, for me, what was down in the past week, um, I know I had one other guy in there. I'm trying to think of who it was. Um, gosh, I can't remember. But I think it was Bobby, actually. Yeah, because he – and I know he had uh, an explosion last night with 30 points, 6 of 8 from 3. Um, but he's definitely struggled shooting the 3 uh, the past week um, before that game. Um, I don't have all the box scores in front of me, but – I know that his his shooting splits from three were down significantly that week, um, and those were the games against the Knicks, the the Wizards, and the Nuggets. So I don't think it's anything concerning. But for me, Bobby was a down guy, and then I had three in the up category. Giannis, I mean, he was fantastic usually, like he is. Uh, I had Grayson Allen up there as well. I just like what he's been doing lately. He's getting more into a rhythm offensively, shooting the ball at a nice rate, and uh, he's making some impact plays on the defensive end as well. And uh, I think I had Drew Holiday as my last guy in the up category. I mean, we all know what he does on defense, but when he's shooting four for five from three like he did uh, in that Wizards game, I mean, that is some really great stuff. So uh, those are the ones that stuck out to me The in those three games against the Knicks, Nuggets, and uh, Wizards. Yeah, nice, good uh, overall summary. I I guess one thing that stood out with me there was was Bobby. Um, he's had like a remarkable season, of course. Our starter for all but one of the games that he was available for, so. It always jumps out to me when I see that he has averages, uh, hopefully still roughly around like 15 and 10. Like, I wonder, you know, if people really could have projected that. Um, but yeah, I guess mm, it's sort of hard to suss this stuff out. But yeah, two of the teams that you had mentioned that Bobby didn't play great against were the Wizards and the Knicks, who are uh, former Bobby team. So, you know, I, you know, Bobby stays he rises grinds and stays locked in so maybe it doesn't really matter to him who who's ahead of him but yeah he was more of a fringe one for me i think it was i was really just trying to stress the three-point shooting with him 
Uh, it's been great this year, but it certainly yeah. slipped in that week. So I, I just thought, you know, sometimes you got to be a little critical and and uh, put somewhere someone in a in the down where even though they're still putting up, you know, ten to twelve points a game, there's some things that are that have slipped. And I just think the three point shooting was enough to get him a fringe spot there. Yeah, thankfully he bounced back though. Big time uh, last night again. Like he really, I don't know. Of course, I'm a broken record, and all of Milwaukee would be the same uh, with him as our mayor. But just like doesn't look like a guy who would just be a total dead eye shooter from three, splashing in guys' faces. But he totally does it. Like last night, you said he shot a six of eight from three, and those. Uh, two misses out of eight attempts were his only two misses as well uh yeah i'll i guess i might as well just jump into it right away with the uh bucks blowout uh over the portland trailblazers that season high from uh bobby he also had four rebounds five assists two blocks and uh that was all in only 23 minutes uh this is also the first uh, game with the return of Moose, Greg Monroe, who signed a 10-day with the Bucks. He had averaged 13.3 points, 7.6 rebounds, 2.2 assists, and a steal in 25.5 minutes per game with the Bucks, starting 67 of 166 games uh, in recent years. Uh, mid to late 2000s, essentially. I don't have the exact years, but uh, he was... He was the Bucks, uh, one of their biggest free agent signings ever at the time, and I, I remember where I was when I found out this news, and just explaining the significance to my my dad at the time, a guy picking picking Giannis and the Bucks over plenty of other teams because he was a younger, hotter commodity at the time. So, yeah, I do really love the Bucks reunion tour, especially with uh, guys like Wes and George, where. It, where it's been working out for us most of the time. Uh, you know, I remember watching the game at the bar, looking up a couple of times with Moose getting, uh, he unfortunately yeah. got swatted a couple of times by Nurkic, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, he, he's filling a position of need to say the least. And uh, it's a 10 day. So, you know, even, uh, gosh, even, just a little bit of the sentimental stuff, I feel like, is worth. I'm it with you completely. I think a lot of there's a lot of paralysis versus <laughs> uh, over analysis here with with Moose. I, I, people are saying like, oh, he's he's washed. He's we Boogie's way better, and, and yeah, I agree. Boogie was certainly better for the Bucks, but I mean, Boogie's behind us now. I wish we would have kept him, but you know, like you said, we just need a a big to play some spot minutes and and really re- uh, give some relief to Bobby and Giannis, who have been playing a lot of center minutes for the Bucks here. So why not bring a guy in like Moose who can put up some numbers and make an impact when he's out there? Sure, his defense isn't great, but I actually thought he looked a little spry last night. Like He looked a little more athletic than uh, the Moose that we saw back in 2015. And uh, it's kind of weird because like, when he was on the Bucks in 2015, like, he was dominant in the paint. He was a great paint scorer, but he just looked slow out there and just struggled to provide a lot of athleticism. But it kind of flipped a little bit. Like he was struggling in the paint last night. Got blocked a few times, as you mentioned. Um, but he actually like 
he had one steal in the game and he had a couple like batted balls out of some guy's hands and I thought that was kind of impressive so I love the signing just from again a need perspective like why not bring a guy in who's familiar with at least the organization who can give some relief to Bobby and Giannis which really is the the key factor in bringing him to the Bucks. Yeah, I really like the comparison you made there between Boogie because, again, it's our responsibility as Bucks podcasters to note that it's kind of apples to oranges with the whole, uh, you know, we had a set date the same with Wes and Boogie um, in terms of having to guarantee their contract. So, you know, if we if we don't sign Moose to another 10-day, I think that's only going to cost the Bucks before luxury tax payments like $150,000 tops but for Boogie that would have been a million and a half before luxury tax payments if we had guaranteed him for the rest of the year and uh you know who knows if at the end of the day he would have been playable um you know into the playoffs but yeah I mean also the little things like you mentioned I liked uh you know grab grabbing a steal and uh getting into passing lanes a little bit that's uh yeah, we want, you know, guys uh, kind of on the edge of our rotations to have a, bring a little bit of edge, and it's nice to have Moose bring that now, now that he'll be less of a, a go-to scoring option like he was, uh, you know, in previous uh, non-championship Bucks iterations. Uh, other news, Giannis also sunk a season-high four threes last night. Uh, he had done it... I was looking, he did it twice last year, I think both against the Nets late in the year, when of course the Nets had, uh, and since have been dealing with uh, injuries, but uh, yeah, first time Giannis had gotten to four threes. So and three in a row to start to the game that. too, which was crazy. Uh, <laughs> shoot, man, I, you, you know, this is the problem with me not being, you know, like rising grind and staying locked in all the time is like, I had been, I was probably just like meandering, meandering around the bar <laughs> looking for another Miller Lite when this happened. Cause yeah, that's pretty big. I don't know how I, how I missed the timing of that. I tried looking for it, but clearly didn't look hard enough, but I mean, not a bad, well, clearly not a bad night from Giannis, but um, even though Bobby might've taken, taken the show a little bit, Giannis still had 29, nine and six, seven to 12 from the field. Four of seven from three, 11 of 15 from the line. I'm not positive with the overall season, but I would guess so at this point. But I remember see, seeing a stat on the broadcast that Giannis was well above 70, 70% from the line for uh, at least a significant stretch. Maybe hey, He's over actually the past at 72% month. for the season, uh, which is great for him. Nice. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. This is something I probably could stand to, uh, I don't know. I guess I should probably uh, think about pinching myself more when I consider how Giannis's improved jump shot has, has stuck around. We had been waiting for it for plenty of time, but yeah, the smooth jumper has persisted pretty much all the year, and it's showing uh, dividends there, at least at the line, which is always a good indicator for shooting the three. Uh course Giannis is never going to be Steph Curry but he also doesn't have to be when he's uh when you know he's uh closer to right. a Shaq <laughs> prototype so 
Yeah, we hear enough of the uh, notes from uh, national broadcasts about how those are the shots that you want him to take, but, uh, you know, we shouldn't totally dismiss that uh, inherently it's because he's a God-level player in the paint, which can't be missed in that negativity either. A couple other notes. Uh, Bucks won the turnover battle uh, against the Blazers, uh, 10 to 16. And whenever I pull these up, I always think that I need to do a better job at pulling up like the actual averages for teams so fans can get a better idea. So uh, based off of turnovers per game, the uh, best team is the Hawks with 12.3. And the worst is the Rockets. With wow, 16. that's more than I thought for the lowest. So you can, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I really this is one of the few times I had ever looked up like, uh, you know, categories like, you know, averages like by category like per teams. So, yeah. Without further ado, uh, yeah, you can see Bucks right there. Ten turnovers doesn't sound great, but. You know, I, I guess it would, if that's their average, it would be far and away the <laughs> the best in the league. And then for the Blazers, or, yeah, Blazers, they would be, uh, they'd be right at the bottom there with uh, the Rockets, which isn't a huge surprise. Um, threes as well. The Bucks knocked down 23, which explains the huge margin of victory. Uh, Blazers with only 14. And the averages I have are the Wizards, who are, have, make the fewest per game with 10 and then the Warriors the highest with uh 14.7 uh again kind of with both of these like these ranges are like not nearly um I don't know the averages are yeah, a lot the, closer only four than, four three than I would have four predicted. spread there you know from 14 to 10 that's uh it's pretty crazy but yeah three points three pointers is like probably the best place to start analyzing some of these games like 23 to 14 like that's a, a nice indication why the Bucks won the game by 29. <laughs> yeah, and of course, so you, you mentioned the Nuggets game. Apologies if it's unnecessary. I actually almost went to the game myself, and I just got lucky, I guess, with the roll of, <laughs> roll of the dice there. But whenever we have games like that, you know, when roles are reversed, if we were the Blazers in this instance, the first thing I kind of always think is like, all right, well, how good is the other team shooting from three? Because then, you know, we can at least make ourselves feel a little better by saying that, you know, make or miss league, like uh, the other team just had a good shooting night. But, you know, we can give a little extra credit to our guys <laughs> in this one. Um, to close out here, um, Portland actually beat us in points in the paint, but obviously they uh, had to make up ground somewhere. Uh Portland had 52, the Bucks only had 34, but they got it done beyond the arc, and the Bucks also doubled them in fast break points, uh, 24 to 12. Uh, do you have any other takeaways at all from last year? Yeah, I've got one more. Uh, the third quarter has been quite a roller coaster for the Bucks here. Uh, I'd say the last month or so, um, their their net rating in the four, or third quarter is around minus six and a half. Uh, which means they're losing the third quarters by around six and a half points. That in some ways kind of seems low given the 
terrible production they've had in the third quarter as of late. But in this game, 37-21, to 21, the Bucks win the third quarter by 16. I thought that was a big turning point in this game. Uh, looks like the Bucks had, uh, what, a 16-point lead going into, uh, into halftime. So um, a lot of times we've seen them kind of take their foot off the gas a bit, and teams have come back, uh, specifically the Wizards as of late. Um, and even that Nuggets game, we were only down eight at half. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was nice to see the Bucks finally win a third quarter by a nice margin. Yeah, that was actually part of the note I had missed here was uh, that that the Bucks went on a on a twelve zero run at one point, kind of earlier in the third, if I remember correctly. I think I uh, again, ironically, I had I had ran up to the bar and I remember I remember uh, like leaving, like okay, still like a comfortable lead, like fifteen points, like I'm good to go. And then like I came back and we were like uh, we were like approaching that like 30 ball that we had uh eventually gotten to so yeah i don't think i talked about our this might seem impossible to you but i've not really talked a ton about the three the third quarter woes for the bucks beyond just like in passing because it just felt like you know it just seems so random like i don't know i was afraid of just like I don't know it, it regressing to the mean, but yeah, very like something. It feels like Bucks fans have been talking about for a while. And it's that that poor uh, third quarter effort. Of course, there's you know, <laughs> I wonder if fans would ever uh, you know go too far with excuses and say that you know maybe maybe Bud's not doing his his job uh, enough of firing the guys up for halftime, but also. It's the guys on the court, too, who can't regress to maybe more of those uh, original moose days with playing down. Yeah, fans will always find a way to go at Bud, uh, uh, which is interesting to me, especially what we saw in the postseason last year. So let's I, I'm not going to blame Bud for that one. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, so that was the last game for the week. Uh as I mentioned, tonight we got the Clippers at 8 central time, Lakers Tuesday at 9, and then Phoenix Thursday at 9. Of course, we got the Western Conference road trip. Uh, so yeah, more late nights uh, for the Bucks. so hopefully everyone can uh, uh, stay up for The injury report those. actually did come out for the Bucks uh, now tonight. Uh, same injury report as last night, which is great. Uh, George Hill still out with neck soreness. Uh, and Brooke Lopez, obviously, with the back. So, uh, obviously, I preface great, like, I wish George was playing, but I'm just glad that no one else uh, was added to the injury report. So, uh, the Bucks will be at, quote-unquote, full strength for the game tonight, which will be important, because this Clippers team is scrappy, and getting two new guys who are expected to play in, in Powell and uh, Covington, it's it's going to be a tough one for the Bucks to win here. So, I think it's an important one for us to win. It's certainly a, a, a gettable game in terms of not playing an elite team. So I'm really hoping the Bucks can pull this one off and uh, get their standings a little more secured here uh, with the East being so congested. Yeah, and with the Clippers as well, I'd forgotten. Uh, I was watching the end of their game, game against the Lakers this week too, where Red, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, Reggie Jackson. Oh my gosh, with his like, I I really love when guys do kind of like the the bunny hop drizzle. There must be a dribble rather. Blah. There has to be a much better name for the it. The high but, step kind of like, move you're saying? Yeah. Reggie Jackson just like, yeah, the high step <laughs> at the end of the game. And then and then his insane finish over the Lakers, too. Uh, so, yeah, we might have a have our work cut out for us a bit in this one. But, you know, we're the champs. We should be favored. Uh, but we will definitely cover that next week jake do you have anything else that i might have missed throughout this episode uh or can or is there anything Uh, else you'd like i don't have anything else to add i think we covered most of the trending topics with the bucks along with the uh last few games here and uh again just to remind everyone you can find me at on twitter at downtown underscore brown all lowercase letters um, my podcast, Downtown Brown Town, is a Milwaukee Bucks podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So if you follow me on Twitter, you can find it there. Every Thursday morning around 5, 6 a.m., my episode is up. So uh, be sure to check it out if you want some more Bucks content. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Jake, if I if I may say, uh, I listened to your last episode and you said that you might have a different schedule based on the trade deadline. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. So I will be recording this Thursday uh, right after I get off work, so right around 4 p.m. Central Time, uh, instead of my normal time when I record, which is like Wednesday nights, just because I didn't think it made any sense to put out an episode Thursday morning with the the big trade deadline looming uh, Thursday at 2 p.m., so... I'll have a trade deadline special coming out uh, Thursday, probably around 5.30 or 6. It'll be uploaded. So uh, I'm going to cover the whole trade deadline, not just the Bucks, because obviously we don't know if the Bucks are going to make a trade. So I'm going to be looking at it from the whole league perspective and specifically in the East. If any teams that are contenders make a big trade, uh, I'm going to be talking about those and, and outlining how – that could impact the Bucks in the playoffs. So uh, be sure to check out the trade deadline special this week, Thursday night. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that as well. Um, another responsibility, as I like to say, with uh, with you know any basketball podcast is also you know taking a look at the rest of the league too and see how how it impacts your team. So you're not totally clueless if you. You know, if the Bucks were to make a big deal, we don't foresee that quite as much, but crazier things have happened, uh, and hopefully uh, the arms race around us doesn't, uh, you know, hurt the Bucks too much, but, you know, we'll cover that uh, in the future on uh, both uh, Downtown Brown Town and Nuckview Buck. Thanks uh, for joining me, Jake, and Thanks I'll again. Uh, see you in another life, brother. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother.